to see each and every one of you. Uh, we got a lot of people excited about chili. Hey, I ate the best chili that would have been here last week. Well, you better get to cooking then when you get home. All right. It really is good to gather with friends, brothers and sisters, God's family, and fellowshiped together, whether it's Sunday morning or Sunday evening, around a bowl of chili and some desserts to buy to help with the mission trip, just being with one another, knowing that, hey, he believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. She believes that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe those things. That's my hope. That's our hope. And to join with Matthew or the worship team and just praising the Lord, inviting God, saying that we are waiting for you and that, Father, with all the stuff in life, you've made it well in my soul. Church, that is a blessing, a deep blessing. I just know that as I try to to preach and proclaim the Word of God and how it applies in my life and how God speaks to me and, and I look at the strengths and weaknesses in my life and I see the things that most of us probably have in common. And today I want to talk about that as we go through this series that's going to take us March through May. And it's simply thankful. I think a lot of times that it's easy to take Jesus for granted. It's not that we don't value Him. It's not that we don't love Him. It's not even that we don't think about Him or walk with Him, but we just sort of get used to Him being there to a degree that how precious His presence in our life begins to to become a little less than what it probably should be. So in the Scriptures, there are things we can say that we're simply thankful for. And I hope that after 12, 13 weeks of just looking at things to be simply thankful for in regards to the person of Jesus Christ, that you will be able to take those together with you as they accumulate and go, you know, I am simply thankful for Jesus. Today, the series message is simply thankful for Jesus' life. Uh, We want to have, as the saying goes, an attitude of gratitude. Because when your attitude is right about the Lord... The Lord uses that to touch your heart, to move your spirit, and to see Jesus the way that he should be seen. What are the things that you sit here right now and are simply thankful for? What what comes to your mind? Just, you know, that's just keep it to yourself. But we could look through Scripture and we go, you know, we know that God blesses everybody with sunshine. I'm simply thankful for sunshine. Last Sunday morning... The sun was out just for a little bit. 
And as you stood in front of a window pane and that sun, the warmth, it was like, oh, hallelujah, vitamin D, Lord. You know, it's just like, this is great. Just wait till we have sunshine seven, eight, ten hours a day. Won't that be fantastic? I am grateful for sunshine, especially when it's been so rare. And if you pay attention to God's creatures, especially His birds, you know, God talks a lot about birds in the Bible. Last Sunday, when that sun was out, maybe it was because of the sunshine, the birds were singing like they haven't sung most of the winter. And to hear the sound of a cardinal is a beautiful reminder of a blessing of God. Something to be simply thankful for. Something that fills you with joy. Sunshine. A singing bird. A shower of rain. Even snow. As much as we're tired of snow, snow has a beauty about it. Simply thankful. That at this point in my life, I can walk around simply thankful for a warm shower. Simply thankful for a full belly. Simply thankful for Christian friends. Oh, church, let us be a people that are simply thankful to the Lord for the way that He's moving and touching us in our lives. I love preaching from the Gospel of John. What a a powerful gospel to speak on as we celebrate with thankfulness the life of Jesus. Do you know that John, in talking about Jesus' life, in John chapter 21, verse 25, he just sort of breaks out and says, Oh, Jesus did so many things. So many wonderful things that if if we were to try to write them all down, I suppose, says John, the whole world could not contain them. Now, whether that's hyperbole, that exaggerated statement to make a point, the point is that Jesus' life here on earth, although it was a short Three years plus was full, was overflowing, was an abundant life. And we praise God. I wonder what things Jesus did, what teaching, what miracle, what action that we don't have recorded that he did. John says, there's many. And then, as John closes his book in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, he again says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name.
John says, this book is written to inspire and create and give birth to faith. To give faith its start, to give trust its beginning, and it's all in Jesus Christ. And then once we have that faith in Christ that's been created by what He has done and what He has said and His movement of Spirit in our lives, then we realize that all of the things are there to continue us walking and living our lives in faith. John writes to create faith and to maintain faith through the power of God's Word. So, uh, John chapter 1, a passage of Scripture that you probably know very well in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And here the beginning is definitely speaking about eternity. Everlasting to everlasting. It's before the creation of the world. You know, Genesis opens up with, in the beginning, God created. But the beginning that's talked about here is even before that beginning of creating the world. It is Jesus Christ, referred to here as the Word, has always been with God. And we start to get this picture of the family of God with Jesus Christ, and we know the Holy Spirit is a part of this family. But here specifically, from eternity past, was the Word And the Word was with God. What is beautiful, and I'll get to really tie it into the very end of the text that we see in verse 17 and 18, is this phrase, the Word was with God, is literally this picture of Jesus Christ being face to face with His Father which tells us that there is this unique communion that Jesus, the Word, was with the Heavenly Father from the beginning, but not just by His side, but face to face with Him. As I thought about this, uh, we had the boys, the five-year-old and the three-year-old this weekend, To spend the night, and you know how that is, up early, up all night, you know, that kind of thing. And Eli, the three-year-old, he was up early. And uh, he climbed up in my lap in the chair, wanted to cuddle in the blanket, and just uh, had me read to him. And as I was reading to him, he'd just reach out and touch my face. And I'd keep reading, look over, he'd just like look at me like I was... Everything. But that's sort of the the image here of the Father and the Son. 
the Holy Father and the unique Son being face to face. This this intimacy, this close communion and connection. I'm simply thankful that the God that is represented through His Word in Scripture talks about this unity, this community, this relationship, this intimacy, this deep love, this passion, this togetherness. In the beginning, before time, was the Word. And Jesus and God were face to face. And then John hits it again, and the Word was God. And that sort of makes you step back. Thought there's only one God. You're absolutely right. There is only one God, and that is Yahweh. But that Godhead is made up of the Father and the unique Son and the Holy Spirit, what we call the Trinity. But Jesus... Although the unique son, he was God. And theologians in ivory towers have spilled more ink trying to explain so that people could understand this. You know, you can understand it, but you can't really explain it. Other than Jesus was God. And he was with Father God. And he was in the beginning with God. John wants us to know that. Jesus was eternal. Jesus Christ was God. He is not a created being. He is God. And then all things were made through him, and without him nothing that was made has come into existence. The ESV says it a little differently, but the idea is anything that has been created in this world, it is because God created it through the unique Son, Jesus Christ. It is God working through His Son to create the planets, to create the sun, to create the moon, to set the stars in place. To cause the earth to rotate. To have a certain tilt on its axis. I mean, God has created everything. He's created mankind. He is the creator. But He does it and did it through Jesus Christ. And it begins to build on just the greatness and the superiority of Jesus Christ to any other's. In this world that we live in, as he begins to talk about the incarnation and the Word becoming flesh. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has overcome it. Some translations say have have not understood it. Both are, are right and true. First, Darkness cannot overcome the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is superior. He is greater. There may be those that come from the ranks of hell to try to cast down that light, but it's impossible. Jesus Christ is superior. 
The darkness cannot defeat the light. Light wins in your life. And we see that this light talks about truth and that truth is Jesus Christ. And throughout John, we see this idea of truth some 55, 56 times, depending on what translation you use, but truth, truth, truth. And as important as truth is in the opening of John, truth is not the primary teaching that John is trying to make known. There is something that is uh, his first importance that we should be simply thankful for, and we're coming to it. Isn't it a wonderful thing to know that if you are his, it doesn't matter who, what, what realm comes against you, because you are in him, you can stand strong, not be defeated, not be torn down, but that you are secure because you have your hope and your belief in Jesus Christ who's superior to all things. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And here we begin as John the Apostle speaks, starts talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all men might believe through him. And John the Revelator, on that island of Patmos, writing simply says that John the Baptist came as a precursor to Jesus Christ. And whenever John the Baptist was even questioned, like, who do you say you are? Are you the Messiah? He says, I'm not. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not worthy to stoop down and loosen his sandals. I am a voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. And so John the Revelator, talking about John the Baptist, says, John the Baptist is not the Christ. He's not the Messiah. The Messiah is superior to John the Baptist. No matter how great a man he was, Jesus Christ is superior. Life isn't John the Baptist. But truth flowed out of John the Baptist because he was sent from God. He was God's messenger to proclaim a time of repentance and turning to God, to make straight the paths for the coming of the Messiah. John would even point the disciples and say, Behold, there is the Lamb of God. He is the one that takes away the sin of the world. I must become less in this world. In your eyes, He must become greater. What a powerful truth. John bearing witness. But we continue to build towards what we should be most simply thankful for in this passage. He was not the light. He came to bear witness about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. There it is. Yet the world did not know him. Here, it's all tied together that God, through Jesus Christ, created everything. This world is not ours. This world is God's. 
He created it through His Son, Jesus Christ. And He created you in His image. Whether we forget that or not. Whether we acknowledge it or not. But He says, using this word, yet the world did not know Him. Some Bible translations recognize. It's a Greek word, gnosko. And I just put it up here because I want you to see the literal meaning of this world. The world did not know him. It is to learn to know. It is come to know. To get a knowledge of, of perceive, well, how, how does that happen? It was happening because of God's design and sending John the Baptist to preach and prepare the way and tell people about the coming Messiah, that he would be the one that would take away the sin of the world. God created the world. He created the world through Jesus. He created the people. But people were occupying the earth, and they weren't aware of God. And now he is being made known by John the Baptist. And I tell you what, I'm simply thankful that God cares enough that He wants us to know, gives us the opportunity to know who Jesus Christ is through the Bible and through the teaching of men that God chose to use and speak through. So, literally, they did not know Him. They hopefully would come to know Him. He, he was being taught about. He was living His life. And that is how you come to know Jesus. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Look at this word here. Literally, to take to take with oneself, to join oneself. Metaphorically, to accept or acknowledge one to be such as he professes to be. So, this is what was not happening. But, but how does it happen? So, Christ comes... He comes from the Father, the incarnate God, the Word made flesh, dwells among us, lives, teaches, performs miracles, heals the many, teaches in powerful ways. God chooses which of those teachings He wants to be relevant in His book called the Bible for us to read and to look and to see in a spiritual way so that our hearts are pricked. Our hearts are convicted. Our hearts are touched by His life. By His life. So that we would receive. To receive Jesus Christ means to take Him to yourself. To be convinced that He is who He says He is. And to be convinced by the Spirit of God and, and what God did through the person of Jesus Christ. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now look with me closely. Children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. A little bit later in John chapter 3, verse 6, he's going to talk about the truth of 
being born by the Spirit from above as he speaks to Nicodemus. But I think all should see that this word right, some translations say choice. Now, when it comes to free will, some think there's just complete free will. Others think there's limited free will. And that is definitely another discussion. But I want to tell you what I think is very clear that John's making known. And that is this word, exousia, right, freedom of choice, opportunity. John the Baptist came proclaiming who Jesus was to prepare people to meet Jesus and to learn about Jesus and to be touched and changed by Jesus. But they would have the freedom of choice to receive him. The freedom of choice. You know... This isn't the one yet that I'm most simply thankful for. But I'm simply thankful that whether I understand it in its fullness or not, that I I know I have a part in stepping forth as God's moving in my life and saying, I receive you. I believe in you. Because when you do that, salvation floods into your life. And aren't we all simply thankful for the salvation we have? I'm thankful that God gives me the opportunity in His unique way and design to receive Him. I'm glad I'm just not eternally lost. I've never believed in irresistible grace that's taught. I just don't think it's biblical. Some beliefs that people have, they teach that God is going to choose you and there's nothing you have to say or to do with it. He picks you and that's it. And if he doesn't pick you, you're out. And for years, this word has stood out and God has put it on my heart and and used it to convict me that everybody, the way God has designed it, has a choice. It's the very thing that we'll look on later on as we get into Easter out of 1 Corinthians 15. You have taken your stand on the gospel. You, you've taken your stand. You've made a choice. You've made a decision. You were touched by the life of Christ. How would you like to be the one that says, I, how do I know if I'm saved? I can't know if I'm saved. Well, maybe I can. I'll do certain things. I'll act a certain way. But then even in the teaching, that may not be true. We can know that we are His. That's what First John 5, we can know that we are His. Because He's moved in our life And we've stepped out and said, Lord, I receive you. I believe in you. It's not a decision of man. It's not a decision of your father. 
No one can make it for you. You make it. I could never preach. You don't have a chance. I may not know that, but you don't have a chance. You may sit there and you may go through all the motions, John. But that's not what it's dependent on. That is why, in my heart, John says in chapter 3, verse 16, that we often quote lightly, For God so loved the world that He gave His unique and one and only Son, that whosoever, whosoever will may come. So I'd like you to think about your choice, the decision you made to take out and take your stand, and how God used that in your life to bring you into His family so that you were born from above. You and I were sinners. And Jesus, the Messiah... The Lamb of God came to take away the sin of the world. And those who receive and believe are born from above, not by daddy or a human desire, or by, but by the Spirit of God. Oh, you have the freedom of choice. You know, no matter how, how well you might know people, Sometimes you don't really know people, right? And I sit here and I wonder, have you really made the choice? Because in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul has to remind them, Do you, you've got to remember, you took your stand in your belief in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Continue to stand and stand strong. That is what the word means literally. I think it fits beautifully in context. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And there we have that truth word again, and we have this grace that Jesus Christ was this free gift of God to the world, and He would speak truth to all mankind. Listen, you may doubt others. You may not believe the news. But Jesus Christ and everything He says is right and true. And you can believe it. And he comes full of grace. Look at verse 15. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Back to verse 1. And the eternity from everlasting to everlasting. The word was with God from the beginning. For from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. And church, brothers and sisters, this is where we find ourselves being simply thankful. 
not just grace, although grace is what we're simply thankful for here today. That is the main part of what Jesus is doing for the world. He is offering grace. I want you to realize truth is talked about in the Gospel of John some 55, 56 times, but grace is talked about in chapter 1 and never mentioned again. So grace is what is being centered on here. His grace of salvation. Grace is giving us something we don't deserve. Grace is free. You can't earn grace. A free gift. It's something He gives. Yes, you receive and you believe, but it's a free gift. And for that, I'm simply thankful. I am simply thankful for the grace of salvation in my life. And I think all of our attitudes should be that we're simply thankful for the grace of salvation if, in fact, we have received and believed and are saved. Because we know that in all of our failings, all of our shortfalls, all of our regrets, all of the guilt because of things that we do or don't do, we know the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Lamb of God, does what? Continually cleanses us from all sin. So I'm thankful, Lord, today. And my public acknowledgement before this church family is I'm simply thankful for your grace and salvation in my life. And let this church be simply thankful for the grace of salvation in each one of our lives. But John, who has said he's done so much, doesn't stop there. He says this grace that is given to us that begins with salvation is grace upon grace. And in the weeks ahead, it is the grace upon grace that we're going to focus on to be simply thankful for. So there it is. Let us all be thankful for the grace of Jesus Christ and salvation in our lives. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. Now, I don't know about you, but I thought, you know, why is that there? I know he's focused on grace and truth. It's the new covenant. It's transition. Moses was the law. I get it. But, you know, when you go back and look, you see in uh, Exodus chapter 33, Moses saying to God, now you've chosen me and How will the people know it? And I want to know you better. And we want to be in your presence. But I I want to see you. Show me your glory. Remember that? We sing that in the song a lot. Show us your glory, Lord. And what does God say to Moses? I'm going to give you a rock to go stand on. And when I pass by, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of that rock. When I go by, I'm going to take my hand and I'm going to cover your face so that you don't see me. As I pass by. But as I pass by, I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back. You'll see my back. Moses, as great as he was, was not superior. 
to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was face to face with his father. Moses wanted to be face to face, but God said, if you see my face, you'll die. God working through Moses, bringing us the law, and believe me, the law was gracious in many ways. Sometimes the law gets a bad reputation, a bad rap. It's legalism, but the law pointed us to Jesus Christ. It was the law that told us God's standards that we couldn't meet. The law served its purpose, and it was gracious in any, many ways. And I think that's why it's there. The law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And then look at this and tie it back to verse 1. No one has ever seen God, not even you, Moses. You saw his back. But there's someone that saw him. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Now, I'll give you something to do maybe later if you remember this. Sometimes Bible translations, you know, they do a great job, but they just get it wrong. Like you would never read John 1, 1 and go, Jesus and God were face to face. That's what it says. That's what it is. Showing relationship, you'd miss it. Right here, it isn't. Jesus is by the Father's side. Now, there's other texts that, yeah, Jesus is by the Father's side. But that's not what John is trying to communicate here, that Jesus is is by the Father's side. Literally, and in some translations, it says he is in the Father's bosom. He is sitting in the lap of God. So John 1, 1 opens up with the Father and Son face to face. And after talking about Jesus is God and, and has seen God the Father, it says Jesus is in the lap of his loving Father. Now, that is a beautiful picture of the relationship between Father and and son. And it's a beautiful picture of the relationship that we're invited into to be a part of. To sit in the bosom of God. To one day see God face to face, and we will. Because He has provided the way through His Son, Jesus Christ, For us to have a relationship where we are cleansed and made whole and stand in purity. Couldn't do it by yourself. You couldn't do it with the help of others. That is what God the Father and God the Son in this passage of Scripture has done for you. How precious How thankful are you really for the grace of salvation in your life? Do you truly value it? Is it precious? Because when it is, it changes you 
into being grateful. It gives you an attitude of truly being grateful. And when you value something and esteem it so highly, you guard it. You're always keeping watch to make sure that you are being pleasing to the Father that you're looking at. Um, I've got a lot of Bibles. You know, you guys, we all have lots of Bibles, right? One's our day Bible. One's the Bible that you can get a little sweaty. One's the Bible that rides in the car. One's that sits on the coffee table. All the Bibles we've got, right? Well, I'll let my grandkids, I'll show them and try to read them stories and put it in their language. But there's one Bible that's off limits. And that's my dad's Bible. It's, it's, sort of, it's precious to me. Now, it's just the Bible, I know. But it's precious to me because for years my dad had it. He turned the page. He underlined. He highlighted. He made notations. And that's precious to be able to look and see that Bible when I get it out and I set it in my lap and I do that rarely. I mean, I'm not licking the pages to try to get no moisture on that. Just turn those pages gently. I value that Bible. I want to value God that way. I want to value Him that way. So this morning, can we try to be simply thankful for His grace of salvation in our lives as we look in the weeks ahead at many of the other things to be thankful for in reference to Jesus Christ, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we are here, we love you, and we praise your name. We thank you for who you are, who Jesus is, and what you've done for us, Lord. We ask your mercy, your guidance. We ask you to touch our hearts, Lord, Touch our spirits, our minds, and just let us be a people of rejoicing in you. Lord, if there's anybody here that's not made the freedom of choice, not stepped forward to receive you, to believe in you, I just pray that you will move them, your spirit, and they will do so. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand. And let us worship the Lord together.